of jumpers and badly jokes, told jokes, uh, and also mainly because of Jesus. Sorry, all this water makes my throat dry. The birth of Jesus is one of the most significant events in history. Many people have achieved great things in life. Think of people like Mandela. He achieved peace over South Africa. Benjamin Franklin, what did he achieve? Anyone know? No, no, not that. Benjamin Franklin. Electricity. Electricity, come on. Uh, Thomas Edison, what did he achieve? Electric light bulbs. You know, thankfully for Thomas Edison, you're not bringing a candle here this morning. But people have achieved great things. But no one has achieved, and no one will ever achieve, as much as Jesus achieved. And this is the reason for the season. How, how silly or cliche that is, it is the reason for the season. So turn with me to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. And we're going to read this story again, the Christmas story. If you have a Bible, uh, turn to it with me. If not, feel free to get a Bible from the back. And if you don't have a Bible at home, you can take the Bible from there. That's a gift from us because we want all the people to have Bibles at home. Uh, But it's Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. So over this month, whilst you're looking for that, we're doing a series on the Christmas story. And it's the greatest and the best story of all time. Last week, uh, Jesus, Jamie, close to Jesus, Jamie spoke upon the story of hope and survival. He spoke upon that Jesus was in a dark place. He's not talking about a physical dark place, but in many ways a economical, a social, etc. dark place. And in many ways, it's not too far from the world we experience today. But the world is not just in a dark place. Our lives are sometimes in a dark place. There's lots of uncertainties, there's lots of worries and lots of fears we carry on our shoulders. And he took us through five characters from the Christmas story. And he left us with the challenge, the question of, uh, what do we need to release to King Jesus over this Christmas period and in our lives um, to receive and know hope? Are you there at the scripture? Matthew chapter 1. Really help if I was there as well. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Here we go. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Jesus, to Joseph, sorry, before they came together, she was found to be with a child from the Holy Spirit. Verse 19. Her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, no, no, that's the wrong voice, Joseph, son of David, do not, fear to take, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call him the name of name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. This took place to fulfill, the Lord, fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel commanded him. He took his wife, 
but knew her until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This morning, I want to speak to us upon the subject of a story of family. See, the Christmas time is a family gathering. And when I mean families, I think of families that come in all shapes and sizes. See, we often think of a family that is, you know, the perfect family unit of two adults and two parents or two children. But when I talk families, I mean grandchildren, grandparents. I mean aunts and uncles. I even mean your church family. Those close friends that we call family. Those people we really love. See, Christmas is a family time because it's about those people we love to spend time with and we come together. It's our family in all different shapes and sizes. But the thing is, when we spend time and interact with our family, it can bring great joy or great stress. It can bring great happiness or great sadness. It can be a time when we're energized or a time when it tires us out. Joseph and Mary had their, uh, their share of family challenges. Let's consider their challenges, Joseph and Mary, for a moment. Number one, the historical account indicates that Joseph's fiancée became pregnant though she was a virgin. Mary, tell that to Joseph. Challenge, number one. Number two, Mary believed an angel told her that she was pregnant by God. Now, Joseph, your future wife, saying that she's not just pregnant, but God is the father. Challenge number two. Uh, number three, Joseph has a dream. The angel says to him, do not fear. Take Mary to be your wife. Uh, she, she, she has conceived by the Holy Spirit. Now, there's an angel involved in the scene. Number four, Joseph takes Mary to be his wife. He cares for her and Jesus and their future children. Now, Joseph is in awe of it. See, this is Jesus' amazing family dimension. But there's a whole load of challenges and complications that they had to work through. See, if you think about the Christmas story, you would think about it like it was some sort of soap. I don't watch soaps, but I could imagine it would be on EastEnders or Coronation Street. It's like TV gold. The story would go like this. There's a lady... She's soon to be married to this great guy called Joseph. He's a really neat guy. He's honorable. He's a gentleman. Then she gets pregnant just before the big day. And then she says, oh, it's God's. It's TV gold, basically, for these senders that watch jokes. Or the newspaper headline, it's not Santa, it's God. A young lady claims to be pregnant, and God's the father. God is the one who has given her the present this year. You could imagine the newspaper. Can you imagine the family challenges they had to work through? Not just when Jesus was born, but in the years uh, past that. Imagine telling uh, Mary and Joseph telling their other children. So, so, so it could go something like this. They're with their children. So it's uh, James, Joseph. Uh, Simon and Jude and their daughter, who we don't know the name of, by the way. Uh, your brother, Jesus, he, he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. 
And just to let you know, he's like you, but he's not like you. He's actually God. I can't imagine that going down too well with his brothers and sisters. You know, Joseph tried that once. You remember Joseph in the Old Testament? He told his brothers that you're going to bow down to me. That didn't go too well because he was in a pit and then he was sold off. You could imagine this family and all the challenges that they had. It's family challenge galore. One of my favorite Christmas movies is Home Alone. And in about 30 seconds, we're going to watch a clip of it. And in about 30 seconds in, by the way, there's a massive beep because they swear. Do you believe that they swear? So don't, don't think something's gone wrong, but there's a beep because I've beeped off the swear word. Go for it. Hopefully. Pardon me, are your parents home? Yeah, but they don't live here. Tracy, did you order the pizza? I did. Excuse me, miss. Are your parents here? My parents live in Paris. Sorry. Hi. Hi. Are your parents home? Yeah. Do they live here? No. No. Why should they? All kids, no parents. Probably a fancy orphanage. I don't know how to practice your case. I've never done this once in my whole life. Tough. That's what Megan said. What did I say? You told Kevin tough. The dope was whining about a suitcase. What am I supposed to do? Shake his hand and say, congratulations, you're an idiot? I'm not an idiot. Oh, really? You're completely helpless. Everyone has to do everything for you. She's right, Kev. Excuse me, because I'm a lot smaller than you. I don't know how to pack a suitcase. Hey, I hope you do too. You know what I should pack? Well, it's told you, cheap face. Toilet paper and water. Listen, Kevin, what are you so worried about? You know Mom's going to pack your stuff anyway. You know what the French call les incompetents? What? Bombs away! P.S. You have to sleep on the hide bed with Fuller. If he has something to drink, he's going to wet the bed. This house is so full of people. It makes me sick. When I grow up and get married, I'm living alone. Did you hear me? I'm living alone! I'm living alone! How are you kids doing, huh? Good? A lot of action around here today, huh? Going on vacation? Where are you going? You hear me or what? Going on a trip? Where are you going, kid? Okay, that's 122.50. Not for me, kid. I don't live here. Oh, you just around for the holidays? I guess you could say that. Hey, pizza's here! That's 122.50. Oh, it's my brother's house. He'll take care of you. Hey, listen. Uh... Hi. Hi. Are you Mr. McAllister? Yeah. You're Mr. McAllister who lives here? Yes. Oh, good, because somebody owes me 122.50. I'd like a word with you, sir. Am I under arrest or something? No, 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 no. It's uh, Christmas time. There's always a lot of burglaries around the holidays. So we're just checking the neighborhood to see if everyone's taking the proper precautions. That's all. Oh, yeah, well, we have uh, automatic cameras for our lights, locks for our doors. That's about as well as anybody can do these days, right? You get some eggnog or something like that? Come on, Dad. Yeah, Let's eat. Right. Eggnog? Pizza! Listen, pizza! Are you, will you be leaving? Uh... Pizza! Th that, that's a Home Alone movie, and uh, if you haven't seen it, do, do watch it. It's quite good. But the whole scene is around, they're about to go on holiday, the family's there, the extended family there, I think there's even some 
friends that are over. But the house is full of people and they're all just doing what they want. It's, it, in many ways, it's just chaotic. And uh, I wonder if your family feels like this sometimes and not just at Christmas. It feels chaotic. Everyone's doing their own thing. They always expect me to pay the food. The, the, the brother's like, oh, my brother will get to pay the pizza. Or, or I want to tell them how annoying they are, but I won't. But instead, I will treat them differently. See, there's new research done over across of Britain. And the, uh, the, the average family spends four whole days a year arguing. Just to break this up. They surveyed 3,000 families, and they revealed that the mum, dad, and kids have at least three disagreements over a day, lasting for roughly about five minutes. This is a total staggering of 1,095 arguments over the course of one year, lasting 91.25 hours. That's three days and 19 hours of your life over a course of a year. So the average family did 3,000 surveyed here. Uh, apparently, um, household chores got the most, most people's blood boiling. Uh, the most common reason to disagree, followed by the kids treating the house like a hotel. Uh, and then family members taking each other for granted. Uh, and apparently, as well, the, the, the person that started most of the arguments is apparently the mum, the woman of the family, apparently. I don't know how they came up with that, but that's apparent. But families, whether it's close, extended family, or those that are we in deep, close relationship, which we would call our family, or even our church family, they can be a huge blessing, but at the same time, they can be mightily hard work sometimes, if we're honest. And the Christmas story is a family story. Indeed, the accounts we have in the New Testament of the birth of Christ may be the one of the most well-documented family history accounts ever given. Not only is there extensive and detailed genealogy recorded, but perhaps nowhere else in all literature, whether religious or secular, there is a more tender and moving account of family unity, sacrifice, and love. See, if we take Jesus' family, I believe that gives us a pattern that we should apply to our family our close family, our extended family, our church family, and those close friends which we would call family. And if we do that, there is, that we can enjoy the same blessings that Jesus and his family enjoyed. And I just want to take us through a few things. These three things of unity, sacrifice, and love. The first one, unity. Unity with any, within our families is paramount. What we do matters. See, imagine Joseph. He heard about Mary. Imagine he heard about Mary. She got pregnant, and he's thinking, well, it wasn't mine because we haven't, you know, we haven't done anything together without going into too much detail. And he, and he says to Mary, you're pregnant. Some other guy is a father. You're saying it's God. You're basically mentally unstable. I don't want anything to do with this. No, but the Bible says that Joseph was a just man. He wanted to quietly release Mary, not for his own sake, but for uh, her sake. See, what we do makes a difference. And then Joseph has a dream, and God says, you know, you should take 
uh, Mary to be your wife. You should be the father to Jesus, and you should be father to other children you have. And what does Joseph do? He does what God tells him to do. How much could he have had a reason to kick up something, to split the unity between Joseph and Mary? I wonder, how do you respond when someone hurts you? They do something. They say something that really puts you down. How do you respond? See, Joseph, he wasn't looking to put Mary into a bad light. He wasn't even looking to put her as the talk of the town. He didn't want to publicly disgrace her. He wanted to protect her. He wanted unity. How did he do that? Well, I want to give us three things. Firstly, he was said he was going to quietly divorce her. Sometimes we've got to do things quietly, even though we haven't done anything wrong. Even though we might be the one who's in the right. We should do things quietly. But after that, he had this dream, and God said to, do, to, uh, to take uh, Mary to be his wife. So what did he do? He got on with things. He didn't need to divorce her, but that was his first part, was to do things quietly. But he got on with things. He goes, oh, God's told me to do this, so I'm going to do it. I'm going to work for unity. I'm going to bring us together as a unity. And he, he was going to be the best husband to Mary. He was going to be the best father to Jesus and their future children. And they were going to be a family of unity. Mary and Joseph are a picture of unity. We should intentionally, purposely work for unity in our families. Whether that's with our brother, our spouse, our close friend who's basically family, or someone at church. Ephesians 4.3 says this. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Psalm 133 verse 1. How good and pleasant is when God's people live together in unity. Unity is really important. hundred percent. We always have arguments. Family have arguments. Husbands and wives have arguments. You have arguments with your kids. You have arguments with your best friend. You have arguments with someone at church. And, but how we respond to it, that makes the difference. How did Joseph respond to it? First, he was going to quietly divorce her. And God said, no, no, you don't need to do that. You take a bee. He just got on with it. He wasn't looking to be like, look at me. I'm doing this. I'm the big man in this. I'm going to take Mary. I'm going to do this. No, he got on with his life and just said, I'm going to work for unity in my family. I want to encourage us. And this is basically an oxymoron because these are two different things. We should fight for unity. We should fight for unity. You think fighting and unity, they're pretty much opposite kinds of words, unity and fighting. But we should fight for unity. Sometimes we just need to not say anything and get on with it because that is the better thing to do and actually to give it to God. Unity is paramount in our families. In our families, we should be unified. Number two is sacrifice. Mary gave up her life. She listened to God. Could you imagine Mary's thoughts and feelings? She was to be a bride. Imagine a bride today probably very different to how a bride would prepare for a wedding in those days. But at the same time, a bride would have been so excited to get married. She's preparing the day. It would have have lasted days in those days, the wedding feast. 
and she was prepared. She had all these thoughts and feelings of getting ready for a marriage to this guy called Joseph. But Mary wasn't too busy with her wedding plans to not listen to God. She wanted to follow God. And in her life, to have Jesus as a son, it was a life of sacrifice. It was a life that she, in many ways, gave up what she planned in her mind. Often we have a plan in our minds, say, I want to do this, do that, do this, then do that. But then when God, when Mary conceived through the Holy Spirit, and then God said, you know, you should take this as your son called Jesus, everything turned around at that moment. Everything. I, I was thinking about this. I was thinking, you know, imagine, take Jesus as a baby and then move on like 32 years and people are trying to kill Jesus. You know, they wanted Jesus dead. You know, they probably knocked on Mary's door and said, where's your son? You know, she sacrificed things throughout Jesus' life. I really believe that. And I, believe, I think we can, we can understand how it, she lived a life of sacrifice. She probably just wanted to live a simple life. She just wanted to be a mom to her children. But then, even further on from 32, 33 years old, we see her watching her son die at the, uh, on the cross. The pain that she had to take upon that. He's my son. He's done nothing wrong. But at the same time, she knew that he was the son of God. She knew that he was the one that needed this to be done. The sacrifice. You know, often we think, you know, what an honor it would have been for Mary to, uh, to care for Joseph, uh, Joseph, for Jesus. Mary and Joseph caring for Jesus. And it was an honor, but there was a sacrifice, and I really believe that. For there should be a sacrifice, there has to be something you have to give up. You're not sacrificing, you're not giving up something. We should leave a sacrificial life. It's so easy to say, you know, that person should be doing this. Or that person's role. It's that person's job. Or it's not up to me. Or, or why do I have to do this? But I think the Bible and I think God would also say, what are you sacrificing? What are you giving up for my sake? I'm reminded of the story in Luke 9. And in Luke 9, roughly about 45, 46 verse, it said the disciples are arguing. He's with his disciples, Jesus, when he's older. And they're arguing about who is the greatest. I'm the greatest. I'm the greatest. I'm the greatest. And the Bible doesn't say what they're arguing specifically about. But I imagine it's something about, you know, oh, I went and preached to these people. Or I watched Jesus when he healed this person. You know, they're arguing. They're, they're bickering about who's the greatest. Because they want something out of it. And then Jesus, he knows what they're talking about. And he says to them, well, actually, the least amongst you will be the greatest in heaven. The least amongst you. And I, I think in our culture, in, in today's society, we don't fully grasp this. The least amongst you shall be the greatest. That the ones that sacrifice. And often, sacrifice is the one, we don't see it. You won't see people sacrifice. It's the things they do behind closed doors. Jesus followed Sorry, Joseph and Mary, they followed the instructions and cared for their family. Joseph was committed to Mary and Jesus and played a significant part in the boy's birth and early childhood. And with God's help, they overcame so many obstacles. I want to ask you, how are you serving your family? 
What are you giving up for the benefit of your family? Sacrifice wholly. That's the thing. Sacrifice your life wholly. Thirdly and lastly is love. And I'm not going to say much about this, but love is at the very essence of Jesus' coming. The reason Jesus came as a baby was the Father's love for us. It's the Father's love for all humanity. It's that love is at the heart of our faith. It's even as we as human beings, we're like bottles of love. Have you ever thought about that? That, you know, really majority of everyone, majority uh, knows how to love people in many ways. We are people of love. And we should be showing love because Jesus loves us. Throughout the Bible, one of the most mega themes is love. Mary loved God to trust when she was carrying Jesus. Joseph loved Mary to take her to be his wife. So here is a thought for you. Can we turn love on and love off? Can we choose to love and not to love? I wonder if you've ever done that. Have you choosing not to love someone? You've turned it off? Or maybe you've turned it on in a certain time, in a certain place. Love unconditionally. That should be how we do something. You know, for our families, and, you know, we look at this family in the Bible of Mary, Joseph, Jesus, uh, and the three other brothers, and then there's this daughter we believe, but we don't know her name. Um, you know, this, this family, it's quite a unique family. And for definite, definitely, they had things they had to overcome. They had great joys, but they had to work at it. And one that I see is a great, they had great unity. They sacrificed and they loved each other. I want to conclude by saying this. If we look at Jesus' family tree, which I have done over the course of this week, you know, the genealogy we get in Matthew and and some of the other Gospels. If you look through it, it it's so interesting. You realize that Jesus had some interesting characters in his uh, bloodline. There's 42 generations. But I just want to remind us of some of the characters. Elijah. This is in Jesus' bloodline. If you work back through the 42 genera- uh, generations, we, we've got a liar in there. We've got a deceiver. We've got a schemer. We've got a faithful servant. We've got a murderer. We've got a man who's after God's heart. We've got an adulterer. We've got a kinsman redeemer. We've got servants of God. We've got idol worshippers. We've got child sacrifices. We've got reformers. We've got a prostitute. It's the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I wonder, sometimes our family are made up like that. It's the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, not just generations before, but even maybe today. Some of your friends, some of your, some people in church might be like that. Not to point out any names. But, no, joking. But, it's, it, but families are like that. And this was Jesus' heritage. And the Christmas story is a picture of a not so many perfect family, but a family that had a great life. And I believe we all want a great life, right? We all, want, uh, we all want unity in our family. We all want to be people that sacrifice. We all want to be people that love our families. But I want to remind us that 
We should fight for unity, sacrifice wholly, and love unconditionally. And this should be the picture of our families and our church families. Because we live here for a long time. You know, we live on this world. You know, they're saying that people of my age will go past 100 with medical science and etc. But there's going to be times where we want to give up on unity. There's going to be times where we say, oh, I don't need to do anything. It's up to them. Oh, there's going to be times when you say, oh, actually, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to love that person. They don't deserve my love. And then a relationship is ruined and a breakup has happened where we should fight for unity, sacrifice wholly, and love unconditionally. And this is the picture we find with Mary, Joseph, Jesus, and the three brothers, and the unknown named daughter. Let me pray for us. Father God, I thank you that you've uh, given us families in different shapes and sizes. I thank you, God, that you love families. And Lord, you understand that sometimes Families are difficult, whether that's our close family, extended family, or whether that's even our church family. And I pray, Father God, that you would help each one of us uh, over this Christmas period, but over our lives, to fight for unity. Be in unity, to sacrifice wholly, and to love unconditionally. Father God, help us to reflect this family. And I thank you, God, that even in Jesus' line, there is so many different kind of people, people that, you know, love God with all their heart, but then there's those that were like, there's a prostitute. And I thank you that we don't have to be perfect people. We don't have to have the perfect bloodline or, or anything like that, but you accept us and you love us. And Father, I want to thank you for most of all, we're adopted in your family. That when, G, when we come to know you, you bring us a part of your family. And now we can call you Father God. 